For the last 11 weeks or so, our world has been under attack. Global pandemic, global virus, plague, and most of us, to varying degrees, have been shut in, and society has been shut down. And one way or the other, we have all felt the effects of it. And as if we weren't battle-weary enough, as if we hadn't been through enough, last week, once again, we saw the eruption of a different kind of plague, different kind of virus, an ancient plague. And we watched in horror as George Floyd was murdered under the knee of a so-called police officer. And before you argue with me, it was murder. I don't care what the autopsy says, whether he had a substance in him or not, whether he had pre-existing conditions or not, the cause of death was the full weight of a grown man with his knee around the carotid artery for eight solid minutes without stopping while he was handcuffed and couldn't move. That was the cause of death. And we had to watch it. We had to watch it. We didn't hear about it. We watched it. And then every night since then, across our television screens, and every morning in our newspapers, since then, we've seen our cities burning, businesses destroyed, lives upended. And as I thought about it, it seems to me as though all of the tears ever cried over injustice in our nation were collected in a pot, and that pot was set to a boil and then poured out all over our nation. And you gotta be careful, because you live in a diverse city, you attend a diverse church, you gotta be careful how you respond, and you can't be thick in your thinking. I've seen some of your posts, and there's a lot of thickness up in here. A lot of thickness. For instance, you may genuinely feel passionate that it is wrong for people to destroy businesses. But if you have enough passion to post about that, but you didn't post about a man that lost his life, your passion is misplaced. And it could be that your good intentions are being evil spoken of because you typed something out across your screen while being thick. Social media is no place to be thick. And I want to remind you, people are watching, like never before in this season, 
If you are a believer and a part of the body of Christ, it is the time to use wisdom, to be wise as serpents and harmless as, as doves. What we're seeing flashed across the news, we're seeing one screen, one shot. But in that one screen and one shot, there's a lot of different types of people with different motives for doing what they're doing. You can't lump them all together. That's thick-headed. Some people are righteously protesting, as they should. Some people are violently protesting. And they're doing what they're doing not out of a motive of crime. They're doing what they're doing because they didn't feel that peaceful protests were being heard. And then there's other people that do not care about the cause. They want to be destructive because they are destructive. And they're just doing what they are. Some people wanted a new TV and thought the cloud cover of chaos would be a great time for them to run into a place and carry out a big screen. But you can't label all of those people as the same thing that's thick-headed. Now, I'm going to say something you may not like, but I want you to hear me and consider what I'm saying. The source of this injustice, the source of this division, the source of this hate is none other than Satan himself. Don't get angry with me. I'm not saying that there is not systemic racism or institutional racism, there is. I'm just saying the problem goes a little deeper than that. Satan is the father of this evil. God is love. He exudes mercy. Satan is hate. He exudes cruelty. Wherever you see cruelty, the source of it is Satan. He may use a delivery system, but the source of it is Satan. That is why a racist, a whole generation of racists can die. And yet racism. Because the source of it is an immortal spirit. The spirit of Satan. Our enemy is ruthless. Have you considered the timing of all this? Have you considered when this hit? When you get to the edge and you can't take anymore, you're already boiling over. The enemy doesn't give you a break and wait for things to get better. That's when he sends his most vicious attack. When you're already at the edge. And that's what the enemy has done. And that is where we are. Loved by God. Saved by grace. And yet under attack from the enemy. 
So how must we respond personally to the attacks of the enemy in our lives? Now, maybe, maybe it's a diverse church. You know, maybe what's going on in the news doesn't affect you. Maybe the pandemic didn't affect you. Maybe you've been cool through all of this in those areas. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a target painted on you. And somewhere in your life this morning, you are going through attack. If you belong to God, you will attract the attacks of a cruel enemy. So how must we respond to it? Psalms chapter 42 and 43 are one psalm. Okay? So everybody say one psalm. one psalm. King James put the divisions between the psalms, and King James, when he was translated, he divided Psalm 42 and 43. But they were actually written together as one psalm, and they were written at a time of David's life when he was going through his most severe attack. David wrote this psalm when he was being chased out of his kingdom, his palace, by his son Absalom, who staged a coup and overthrew the government. David lost his home in an hour. He lost all of his possessions. He lost the companionship of his family. He lost his place in the nation, and he was running because he was about to lose his life. Absalom had put a hit out on his own father. If it's not bad enough to lose everything that you value, you also have to carry the emotional weight and strain that it's being done to you by your own flesh and blood, baby boy. And the psalm starts right after the enemy has just piled on after the attack. Piled on with cruelty. And when David is escaping the city, a man, there's not much known about him. Most Christians wouldn't recognize his name. But there's a man named Shimei who literally follows David out of the city. As David is running, Shimei is running beside him. David is down in the valley and Shimei is running across the hills, keeping his eyes on David as he's fleeing. And Shimei is shouting curses at him. Not cussing him, not speaking profanity, he's cursing him. God's not with you. You see why you're running? You're running because God has forsaken you. You're a murderer. You never deserved to be king in the first place. That's why all this is happening to you. He's speaking curses and speaking cruel things over David's life as he runs. Let, let me show it to you. 2 Samuel 16, 7 and 8. You may not have ever read this. 2 Samuel 16, 7 and 8. Also, Shimei said, thus when he cursed. Come out! Come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. Notice this. Not only is he cursing him, but he's saying all this bad stuff that's happened to you, God did it because you're not a good person. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Go to verse 13. Go to verse 13. I want to show you what he did. And as David and his men went along the road, 
Shimei said, went alongside the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him and kicked up dust. This is a picture, the embodiment of Satan, the accuser of the brethren. It's your fault. What you're going through is your own doing. God has forsaken you. You're worthless. There's no hope. There's no life. There's no future. And David is at the lowest point of his life, and the enemy is piling on with an attack and with cruelty. Now, I want to explain something to you. When you feel like things are piling on, I don't know if you've had that happen lately, but when in your life you feel like things are just piling on, especially when cruel things are happening to you, especially when you're being accused, when the stress feels like it's boiling over, I want you to realize something. It's not just life. It's not just stress. It's an attack from the enemy. You're not having an emotional breakdown. You're not just a weak person. You live in a natural world that is controlled by spiritual forces. And there are times in your life where you need to wise up and realize what's going on with you. You are under attack. Psalm 42 verse 1, he takes out a pen after he finally gets away from Shimei. He takes out a pen and he writes this psalm. And most people read it and even sing it, but very few understand it. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. You've heard that song, haven't you? Have you or not? 1984, Christ of the Nations. A gentleman wrote it, went around the world. As the deer panteth for the water doth my soul longeth after thee. You, O oh Lord, are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You heard the song, right? Great song, terrible context. David wasn't worshiping, and it's all hidden in the language, but the thing is, you got to know something about deer. Let me tell you something about deer. Our family has a ranch, and we raise deer. We have deer on a nutrition program, a feeding program. We have cameras set up so that we can monitor deer. And if you know anything about deer, you know, when we think of panting, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? is a dog, you know, a dog pants. And a dog pants every day. Dog goes outside, comes back in, comes back in, panting. Dog's downstairs, comes upstairs, dog is panting. Dog goes from one room to the other or jumps up on the couch when you're not supposed to. Whatever he does, dogs pant every day and often. Deer almost never do. You will probably in your lifetime never see a deer panting. Because the only time a deer pants is when they're running for their life. Now, panting is a very dangerous scenario for deer. When a deer pants, as part of its natural defense response, it only pants when it's fleeing. And as part of its natural defense response, when it does, it sheds 80% of the water in its body, 80% of the hydration. Deer do not pace themselves when they run. They run full out. 
So as a result, if a deer survives an attack and survives the chase, the first place they will go to is the water. Not for thirst, for survival. Gives a different meaning to as the deer pants. David isn't about to go into a worship service as the deer panteth for. No, no, no. David said, I'm about to die. I'm up under such a severe attack. My soul has lost 80% of its hydration. I'm pressed out. I'm maxed out. Did you know that if a deer is chased long enough, it'll die? Not from the attack, from dehydration. And David said, I've been chased as long as I can be chased. I've been threatened as long as I can be threatened. I'm at my breaking point. I don't know if you've ever been attacked in your life and you have felt like you were at your breaking point. I don't know if you've ever had one thing after another after another happen in your life and you had to keep running to avoid it and you get sick and tired of fleeing for your life. That's where David was and he says, I'm at the danger place. And as the deer pants for the water, God, my soul longs after you because my soul is about to die within me. And God, like that water is life-saving to the deer, you are life-saving to my soul. So as the deer pants for the water, my soul longs after you. God is the first place you should run when you're attacked because this attack it's having a more dangerous effect on your soul than you realize you're strong you look good you smell good you got up and you came to church this morning but the attacks you've been going through are having a more dangerous effect on your soul than you realize and if you don't take it to God, if you don't take it to God, the soul will completely dehydrate and you'll die while you're still walking around. The text, David reveals four steps to overcoming an attack. I'll give them to you quickly. Point number one, recognize that you are in a battle. Look at your neighbor say, recognize that you're in a battle. You're not just sad, you're not just depressed, you're not just in a slump. You have a cruel enemy and you are under attack. Verse 3 of Psalm 42, David said, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say continually to me, where is your God? Look at that word, they, and understand me. The enemy will use people as the delivery system of his warfare. Oh, God. The enemy will use people as the delivery system of his warfare. So always remember, people are not the source. They're just the system. Satan is the source, but he uses people as the system. Look at Psalm 42 verse 9. 
I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go down mourning because of the oppression? Watch of my enemy. At least David knows the source. He doesn't mention his son because he knows his son is not the source. His son is just the system. You got to recognize that you're in a battle. And what do they say? Whether it's a demon spirit coming and whispering it in your mind through your thoughts, or whether it's a person that says it to you. What's the enemy's favorite quote? Where is your God? You've been faithful. Lost your job. Where is your God? You've been a worshiper. But there you are battling that sickness. Where is your God? And when you hear these voices, always recognize immediately that you are in a battle with Satan himself. How should believers respond when we notice a demonic voice speaking directly to us? Zechariah 3 and Jude chapter 1 say the same thing. When you notice that you are in a fight with the devil, the believer is instructed by God to say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. When you say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you, you are announcing to the devil and you're announcing to yourself that this battle does not belong to you. When you say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you, instead of saying, I rebuke you, you're announcing to the devil and yourself that you don't belong to yourself anymore, that you have been bought with a price, not of silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, that you are his possession, that he holds you in his hand. And though you may be in the battle you are not responsible for fighting the battle this battle is not yours it belongs to God so when you notice the cruel attacks and cruel words of the enemy you say Satan the Lord rebuke you point number two stop listening to yourself stay with me for a minute Psalm 42, verse 4. When I remember these things, you know, verse 3, he's talking about my tears have been my food. I've been so depressed. I've been through so much. Verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. What he's saying when he says I pour out my soul, he means I tell myself about all of the things I'm upset about and I'm hurt about. I pour out my soul within me. And then he says, uh, I used to get to go with the multitude to the house of God with the voice of joy. You know, he's been thrown out of his city. He's been taken away from, he was the king, but he used to lead worship. But now he's been removed from all of that. I used to go and keep the pilgrim feast. I used to do all of these things. You cannot trust the counsel of a downcast soul. I'm going to say that again because it flew right over your head. You cannot trust the counsel of a downcast soul. When you talk to yourself out of your pain and misery, you slip into self-pity and despair. When you're low, you need words from God, not from a wounded soul. 
So point number three, start talking to yourself. I'm waiting on you to look at me funny. And you ain't doing it yet. Right, thank you. You just told me point number two was to stop listening to yourself. And now you're coming back with point three and you're saying start talking to yourself. Have you lost your mind? No. Sounds contradicting, but it isn't. You've got to change the source from where the words come from. What did David say? I pour out my... You're slow. You're worth waiting on. I pour out my... Oh, Jesus. I pour out my... I pour out my soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So, stop listening to your soul and start talking to your soul out of your spirit. Now, David does this in the text. Watch the switch. Sounds like two people are arguing and they're talking in the same person. Watch the switch. Look at verse 4 again. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and with a multitude and kept a pilgrim freeze. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? You see it? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet Praise him. You see the difference in the communication? In verse 4, he's talking from his soul. In verse 5, he's talking to his soul from his spirit. He says, why are you cast down? The word cast down there means depressed. And depressed, you know, it gets a lot of attention as something being very complicated. You know what it means? It means to push down. That's what it means. An outside force pushing down. If you go get in your car in order to leave today to hit the gas, you're going to have to depress the pedal. It just means something pushing down on you. And David in that moment when he was pouring out his soul and having a pity party realized that it wasn't just him, that there was an outside attack that was coming to try to push him down. So when he noticed it, he stopped talking out of his soul and started talking to his soul out of his spirit. He engages his spirit and makes his spirit say something good about God to his soul. Oh, you missed it. He makes his spirit say something good about God to his soul. He's been whining on God saying, why have you forsaken me? Why has all this happened to me? Why have you allowed my son to do this? Why am I in all this trouble? And then his spirit engages and forces him to say something good to his soul about God. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Listen, soul, hope in God, for he is the help of my countenance. I shall yet praise him. He says something good to his soul from his spirit. Now, I can say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy. I can say that if my soul's in a good place. But I can't say bless the Lord, oh my soul, when my soul's down. 
Because if you're honest, when your souls get down, you don't feel like praising. When your soul gets down, you don't feel like worshiping. When your soul gets down, you don't feel like hearing nobody preach to you. When your soul gets down, you don't feel like studying your Bible. When your soul gets down, you don't feel like praying. You feel like complaining. When your soul gets down. So what David does with his disquieted, discombobulated soul is he starts talking to his own soul about how good God has been. And he switches the source and uses his spirit. And if I step into my spirit, I may have a downcast soul, but my spirit will say, I will bless the Lord at all times in his Praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's basically what David said. I will yet praise him. Now the yet praise is a praise that can only come from your spirit. Your soul cannot offer a yet praise because your soul praises when things are going good. Your soul praises when the blessing comes. Your soul praises when the healing comes. Your soul praises when the deliverance comes. Your soul praises when the winning streak comes. But your spirit has a yet praise. Your spirit will look at them repeatedly possessing the car and say God you still been faithful to me your spirit will look at a pink slip and say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away but blessed be the name of the Lord forever your spirit will look at trouble all around you your spirit will look at the oppression you've been facing your spirit will look at the difficult economic climate and your spirit will rise up and say I don't know about everybody else but so you listen here God's been better to you than that. You talking down on God. Why are you so cast down? You're talking like God ain't never held you together. You're talking like God ain't never blessed you. You're talking like God ain't never healed you. You're talking like God ain't never provided for you. You're talking like God ain't never covered your children. You're talking like God ain't brought you from a mighty long way. I will yet praise. I wonder if I got about 15 people that have been going through some serious hell, serious attacks, serious misery, serious pain that recognize even in your circumstance, God's still been good to you. God's still covered you. God's still blessed you. God's still been merciful to you. I wonder if I got 17 people that got a yet praise down in their spirit. A yet praise. A you're worthy anyway praise. You've been better to me than I've been to you praise. You've been faithful when I've been unfaithful praise. I may have problems, but you're still worthy. I may be weeping, but you're still holy. I may have issues, but you're still the one who possesses the balm of Gilead. So I will praise you. I will yet praise you. I will praise you. I will yet praise you. In the morning, I got a praise. But at nighttime, I got a yet praise. When things are going good, 
I gotta praise. But when all hell is breaking loose, I gotta yet praise. I will yet. If you ain't scared, push three people and say yet, 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 yet. of your own soul is what causes you to forget all of the goodness of God and I came to be the one to tell you you're up against a lot right now there's a lot of attacks coming right now but God is still worthy if you look over your life and you see where he's brought you from I bet you if you add it all up he's been better to you than you've been to your own self he's been better to you than your greatest activist he's been better to you than your mama or your daddy he's been better to you than your spouse or your children and I don't know what you're going through but you want to throw off that depression and throw all that sadness away and give your God a yes hear the sound of a real praiser I want to hear the sound of a yet praiser I want to hear the sound I want to see what it looks like I've seen so much else I want to see a yet switch the source the information flows from did you not know you tell your soul how to feel your soul produces emotions that are completely manipulated by words 
And when you speak the negative, and when you speak the threats, and when you speak the fears, and when you speak about all of your sadness, and when you speak about everything that's wrong, you're telling your emotions what feelings to produce in you. I mean, if it happened to David, it could happen to you. So then, and in the text he sounds schizophrenic. Why have you forsaken me? All this is happening. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Why are you whining so much? When's the last time you had the gall to ask yourself? Why are you whining so much? Hope in God. The help of my countenance, I will yet praise him. Look at, I ain't done yet. Look at Psalm 131 too. If you're taking notes, you have to be mature enough to deal with your own soul when it gets out of control. You have to be mature enough with yourself. I'm not talking about how mature you are with other people. Because some of you have a, B, a PhD with people and you ain't been to kindergarten with dealing with yourself. You have to have the maturity to bring your own soul under control. Watch what David said about his own soul. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. What's a weaned child? Well, when you transition from the bottle to solid food, or when you do what me and Katie are trying to do, when you try to get your baby off the passy. My little two-year-old declares holy war when we try to take away And so does your soul. David said, grown man, king, man after God's own heart, wrote the Psalms, you know, said, my soul is like a child being weaned, out of control. I had to tell it to quiet down. I had to tell it, hey, stop it, sit down. And we know how to do that with other people. But we just don't like taking the medicine. Go a little bit deeper. Paul told the Corinthian church, I should be feeding you strong meat. But as long as I've been with you, I ain't been able to wean you off the bottle. Why? Because they were a soulish, soul-first, soul-led people. 
So he said, it wouldn't do me any good to present strong meat to you. Elevated doctrines, elevated principles, strong meat. He said, it wouldn't do me any good. You wouldn't be able to chew it because you've been stuck on milk. And every time I try to wean you, you get up and leave the church. Every time I try to wean you, you decide it's time for a three-week sabbatical. Every time I try to wean you, you decide something is more important than coming to the house of God. Every time I try to wean you, you freak out and disappear. Because you make your decisions and you place your values of importance totally off of what you feel from your soul. And God never intended believers to be led by their soul. Believers are meant to be led by the Spirit. This is what he meant in Galatians when he spoke the mystery, the elder part of you, the older part of you should serve the younger part of you. Older part of you, soul. It was formed, it came alive at conception. Okay, Your soul, your self. Your psyche and your conscious, the makeup that makes you, you, your soul formed at conception. When you were born, you were born in sin and by nature of sin separated from God spiritually. So every one of us were born with a dead spirit. In Ephesians, he says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which sense did he make them alive? He made them alive spiritually. So when you got born again by faith in Jesus Christ, your spirit, your dead spirit that was dead in trespasses and sin was made alive. You went through a new birth or the born again experience. So your soul been alive a lot longer than your spirit. Your soul, the older. Your spirit, the younger. But Paul says the older should serve and be subject to, submitted to, the younger. Your soul should be led by your spirit, not the other way around. So you can see David do it in the text, you know. I'm going through so much. God, you've forsaken me. I used to be able to go to the temple. Why are you disquieted, my soul? Why are you cast down? Hope in God. It, back and forth, back and forth, soul and spirit and you got to be having that fight some of you are going through this attack and you're not even having that fight you're not even engaging the other part of you the quieter part of you for most of you the part of you that doesn't get as much exercise the part of you that you don't let speak as much Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Building yourself up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. He that speaks in tongues edifies himself spiritually, Paul said in 1 Corinthians. The part for most of us that doesn't get as much talking time, 
That's the part you've got to engage to counter the attack the enemy is waging against your life. You've got to start talking to yourself. And then number four, seek God's face. I want to show you three great verses that say the same thing. Almost. Look at Psalm 42, 5. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now, look at Psalm 42, 11. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43, verse 5. Remember, I told you they were the same chapter. It was divided. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Did you see the difference? What was it? Psalm 42, 5. Look at it again. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Next verse. Hope in God, I shall yet praise him for the help of. So in that one verse, he says, I will praise him for the help of his countenance. Okay. The next two. Psalm 42, 11, Psalm 43, 5 says the help of my countenance. And what David is saying, you know, countenance is your face. And what David was saying is, I'm going to praise you from the help or for the help that comes from your face. And then he says, I will praise you for being the help of my Face. In other words, David said, the more I seek your face, the more you fix my face. Why is that significant? Why is that significant? Because when you're going through hell, you can brush it up, you can put the cologne on, you can shower, you can dress it up. But when you get around people, what you're really going through oftentimes is written all over your face. And some of you, even when you're really hurting, you avoid being around people that really know you. Because all you have to do is really look at somebody that really knows you and instantly they're coming up to you saying, honey, honey, what's, what's wrong? And you can be smiling and they can just look because it's all over your face. And David said, I hate what's going on with me because I know I look on the outside, how I feel on the inside. And I don't like looking like this. Champions aren't used to looking weak. 
David killed Goliath with boldness and fierceness. David took the throne that he didn't qualify for because he dared to have faith in God. Champions don't feel comfortable when they're broken up on the inside and it's pouring out on the outside. And David said, the thing I like about you is regardless of what I'm going through, the more I seek your face, the more you fix my face. The more I seek your presence, the more you fix my present. The more I search after you, the more I find in me. And I will yet praise you for the help of your countenance. Because the help of your countenance I've found, I've tried it and found it to be true, becomes the help of my countenance. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. God has got you covered. God has not forsaken you. You need to stand up in your spirit and remember who you are. You need to tell your heartbroken soul and remind them of all the things that God has done for you. You need to quiet your soul within you. And hope in God. There's still a reason to hope. There's still a reason to hope. There's still a reason to hope. I'm not talking about blind hope. I'm not talking about vain hope. I'm talking about hope in God. It wasn't 74 days from when he wrote that psalm. It wasn't 74 days. There's some debate about how many, but it just, it wasn't more than 74 days. And the man that tried to kill David was riding his horse through low-hanging branches and got caught in his hair. And an enemy came by and put a dagger through his heart. God will deal with your enemies. Hallelujah. David never faced the attack that was coming against him. He faced God. And God took care of the enemy. I can't speak for everybody else in the nation. I'm not called to them. I'm not assigned to them. I have no authority. I can't tell you what systematic issues need to change. I'm not a political spokesman. I hate that stuff. All I can say that I have authority to say is I can say to you, to you personally, to you in this room, to you under this spiritual house's covering, you are going to be okay. God has got you covered and God will deal with your enemies and God will be a shield around you and you will be prosperous and you will be the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not beneath. You will be lenders and not borrowers. I can say that. If you'll seek his face, he'll fix yours. And those of you that have been hurting, those of you that have been pressed, God led you to come into these doors today because he wanted to speak through me his word to you and tell you that you will be okay. 
that you you have a reason to hope in God. Hope deals with an expected end, a future result, an end thing coming. It's going to be okay. That thing in your marriage, it's going to be okay. That thing with your children, that attack, it's going to be okay. That thing in your finances, it's going to be okay. That thing in your health, you hear this preacher, it's going to be okay. You are not a people who do not know about your God. Use what you know. Pick up your weapons and fight the good fight of faith. you ought to worship him you ought to worship him if he's been good to you you ought to worship him you ought to praise him you ought to lift your hands you ought to tell your soul something good about God right where you're standing you ought to tell your soul you ought to remind your soul something good about God right where you're standing come you can come if you want to come you can come find you a place to tell your soul how good God's been find you a place to repent of your fear and your doubt find you a place to seek his face find you a place a place where his countenance becomes the help of your countenance. Elders of the church minister to the people of God with the laying on of hands.
feel the tangible presence of your spirit, oh God. falling on people you can receive him if you want it you can ask yourself Jesus fill me with the Holy Spirit 
right now you can say Jesus fill me with the Holy Spirit he said he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled he said if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to whoever asks you can ask Holy Spirit fill me now you need the Spirit to put the soul in its proper place. You need the Spirit. receive you Holy Spirit we receive you Holy Spirit we create space we create a place we receive you we need you Holy Spirit it's been a long time since some of us have been refilled we need you Holy Spirit speak the blessing of the Lord over your life I speak that you would hope in God and understand that he is the help of your countenance I pray that you would go face a dangerous world with the knowledge that you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ 
and with the knowledge that you are led by the Spirit of God and not controlled by the waves of a weary soul. I speak that this presence that's in this room now would go home with you, would get in the car with you, would be in the house with you, would accompany you. And as the days get darker, the light of his glory and his anointing would shine in you and that you would be strengthened in your inner being that you would be lifted up from every low place and that your confidence and your help would always always be found in God I speak these things over you in the name of Jesus Christ I bless you and I call you blessed in Jesus' name, give the Lord a great hand praise. Today is Pentecost Sunday. I did not preach a Pentecost message because I had a prophetic word for what we're going through now. But it is Pentecost and it is the second of three declared feasts. Feasts in the scripture means appointed times where God commanded believers to gather before his presence you've already done that he commanded believers to worship him you've already done that and he asked his people to bring a special offering marking the event if you have an offering you would like to give I want to challenge you to do that there's a blessing attached to honoring the feasts of the Lord that are spelled out in Scripture Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover after Jesus shed his blood 50 days later the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room and filled 120 believers it's the birthday of the church the inauguration and we honor that on this day of Pentecost because of that Katie and I were given $50 each each of us are given $50 to mark 50 days if you want to do that you can do that if you want to give another amount give what you feel if you're watching me online you can give if you're giving through text they have the information for you on how to do that coming up on the screens very shortly however you would like to give may your giving be blessed may God rain on your seed may he open doors for you and make ways for you may the Spirit of the Lord bless the works of your hands may favor with God and man come upon you as a result of your seed and may the harvest that comes blow your mind in Jesus name now may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may he lift his face upon you, his face, his countenance. May he fix your face. May he give you peace, may he give you strength, and may you hold on to what God gave you in his house today. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. If you have your offering, you can bring it. If you want to text it, you can text it. God bless you.